Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Niners, you're talking about that. Right, we're going back to Eddie. Apparently for the third time. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them there's, uh... it, won't make, it won't make it any better, will it? <laughs> we two warm ups now. Come on, we'll do it properly this time, Eddie. Right, we're nice and live. Uh, hopefully, the guys can can hear us on on uh, on speaker. Uh, we'll we'll carry on. So uh, yes, it, yes, it was a great match. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, it was phenomenal, Steve. It was phenomenal. Um, we mentioned about the Wigan whole game and the whole trying to bully Wigan and Willie Wigan turning it round and bullying Hull. I think Catalan were brutal with us. Um, a couple other players: Wormsley, Coote, Lomax, Bentley, Knowles. I thought those five lads got a physical beating, not a physical bullying, but a physical beating. They stood up to everyone gave them they took it there was uh, they showed consummate professionalism took all the physical beats by fair means or fall I may add from Catalan and then they beat them in the way that the way we can with teams like that is by playing rugby league and in the second half we totally took them to pieces but I think the platform was built by standing in the face of that onslaught of physical Barbaricness that Catalan threw at us. Um, I think the diff, like I said, the difference with the Wigan Hall match is that we didn't bully Catalan because I don't think they're capable of that. I was proud of the fact that we've stood up to that kind of treatment because so often in the past we wouldn't have stood in the face of that. At some point we would have folded. Yeah. Because as as, as people know, that sort of treatment can uh, send our lads packing. And I think Parky summed it up great when we was talking that that second half of Saints. It was just sublime. It was it was a wonderful thing to watch. I was really proud of them. Gaz, your view? Enjoy it. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I I I'm just glad that they didn't turn up with Mickey Mack and Joel Tompkins because the aggression would have been even more than what they came with. I thought they. They came with a very poor game plan. I'm not a big fan of McNamara anyway. They never proven anything for me. Um, they came with a game plan of absolute aggression. It didn't pay off. Maloney, 
rightfully got his 10 minutes. That was an absolute shocker. The lad later on was a disgrace. Um, so they both deserved to have the 10 minutes. And as Eddie said, we stood up to him. That was what happened. We stood up to him. Once we stood up to him and it became a rugby match, they had no chance. Um, we were class. Some of the tries, I thought the one, the move, Johnny to tear inside yeah. to Coots that we've done countless times. Yeah, that's right, yeah. It's just an absolute joy to watch. And fair play, Taya knows every time he does that move, he's getting smashed. And he did again. Um, but it, what a try that was. And I also, big raps to Wellesby. I thought Wellesby was outstanding. The try that he set up for Johnny, stepped inside, completely took half the team out. Lovely pass. Falau did nothing all night. They, did, um, they didn't use him, did they? We, we spoke about this last week, how they were probably, or they're going to bomb Regan. Would, and they just didn't do it, did they? I would have bombed that corner all game. Um, they didn't do it. Uh, and I think that they, what you've got there as well, is some, a bit of a lack of heart, really, in people like Falau. Uh, he, he wouldn't want him in the trenches, really, even the size of him. Um, he especially if you had Bentley as another choice, because you'd have him there every day of the week. And... Um, Bentley and Knowles was a big ask on them. Very, very concerned. I tell you what, as well. Let's and I've done this twice now in the last month. Let's give some credit to Scarsbrook because Scarsbrook was out. Mm. How the hell he came back on the field, I do not know. He went off the field in cloud cuckoo land, and at second half, he's back on that pitch. And I thought, you know what, fair play to you for that. And we needed him, and he came out and he did it. He did it. You know, pretty usual average job. But he did a job. But, uh, but uh, I'm very, very concerned about, about um, Wormsley. I'm praying that knee's okay because mm. I think our fan final hopes completely hinge on that. I think without Wormsley, we can't beat them. Um, I'm hoping Graham comes out and I think he will because he deserves to go out in that style. Um, it'd be tragic if he couldn't play in that final. Um, and yeah, so I, 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 I just say, I made notes. I thought Roby was just Roby, fantastic. Big rap for LMS. Very concerned about Matty Lees. He looked particularly lightweight. He mm. doesn't punch any holes at all. He, I'm, I'm hoping he's a lot better next year because he's, he's not there this yeah. year. And I feel for him. Uh, Zeb Taya, I thought I'd add to Aidy's list. I thought Zeb Taya had a fantastic game. Um uh, and obviously Nagama got in, in amongst all that Kevin Nagama managed to get himself a hat-trick mm-hmm. uh, the highlight being the Nagama to Nakinson back to Nagama try which was an absolute joy um, so yeah very very proud I felt ace after I said to Sam I said to my wife I said this, this I feel the best tonight I've felt since I actually last went to a match um, and uh, yeah I imagine if we'd been there to watch that wow Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Talking great. Graham? Yeah, a couple of points. Um, I hear what the lads say. Um, gen- general points, really, that the first one, if you go back to just before this match, our previous game was the home beating to Wigan, uh, which was, what, two, three weeks ago, was it? Yeah. Um, we've had a couple of weeks to, to, to have a look at that, and I think we've learned a little bit because we knew exactly what was coming down the tracks with this Catalan side. We knew we were going to face um, over-the-top aggression, um, and I think we dealt with that superbly. We didn't take it on head-on. We just dealt with it, uh, let the referee deal with it, thank goodness, um, and then just played our rugby. And the best way to treat op- opponents like this is to play rugby and, and go through them and round them and make it count on the scoreboard. And I was delighted that they did that. 
My, my other point in general uh, on the game was that how bad a coach have you got to be to make your team so over-aggressive if they get out to play rugby? Now, they've got some great players, don't get me wrong, <clears throat> and I take um, Gary's point about Folau and whatever. I don't think Folau wants to play rugby like that. I think he wants a team to make a bit of space for him so he can run. And and they're totally, they've got some really good players. They are underachieving massively there. And I think that's down to the coach. Any coach that puts a team so in, into those tactics, so over-aggressive that they forget to play rugby, it wants shooting. And, and Maloney's been a quality little crafty halfback all season. And what does he do? He, he turns up thinking he's, I don't know, Nigel Ben or... It's crazy. It's crazy. Gets himself sent sent him being after what ten minutes cost them a try, and they're on the back foot. It's just absolute bonkers. And they finally eventually get a warning about what they're doing, and they do it again. Another man goes off for ten minutes, and they, they've just they've just messed the whole game up. And as for uh, McNamara's talk about whether all the um, uh, the bans and the, mm-hmm. the, the penalties that his side are suffering are, are, are wrong or unreasonable, he's, he, he's in cloud cuckoo land. Um, it, it, it's bonkers, and, and he's got some real quality players there. And to play like that, you, you've got to be you've got to be an idiot. Um, but I, I was delighted that Saints had learned, seemed to have learned that the way around that is to play through it and round it and over it, and, and, and they did well. They're going to face the same again on Friday, no doubt about that. And it might be even worse, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. A um, couple of other points. Um, as regards LMS, I think somebody needs to spark him out before the game, <laughs> so that when he comes on, he's uh, he's in tip-top shape. Because um, it seems to sort of um, reset him. You know when you reboot your computer mm. um, because it's not working properly. And so once he got he got sparks out, went off, seemed to wake up, and then came back on, and it was um, it was like uh, one of those um, antivirus antivirus programs had gone through him, and he was there. Uh, he, he was he was playing well in that uh, second half there, uh, and the other point is James Bentley. Isn't he playing like a Rolls Royce now at uh, at, uh, at second row? See Just what you did there. there. See what you did there. Yeah. See, yeah. I'm, I'm written that one down. <laughs> see, so I don't forget. Um, I think he's really settled into the into the position, and uh, and him and um, him and Morgan Knowles took the brunt of what's going on in the forwards. Um, once um, James Cramer had to go off and. Um, Warms, he had a bit of a spell. I looked very wobbly on that knee. And I'm just, I know exactly what's going to happen in the first 10 minutes on there on Friday. Oh, third man in. Well, yeah, there is a possibility. Um, or the fourth or the fifth man, one, <laughs> one of the five that will go in those first tackles. Um, but generally, the game thought were great. I thought um, Cootie at the back just um, marshaled all the troops, got everything right. Got the numbering right in the defence. Johnny Lomux took another ter- terrible pound into the head on many occasion. Uh, Theo was Theo was uh, a little better in the scrum half role, I think, and I think those um, that game actually suited his kicking as high as he can and keeping them trapped in. But there wasn't much else on show from kicking. But I think we need, we're going to have to improve that for Friday. I'm just hoping we have a little different game plan, and hopefully the game three weeks ago is. Um, something to lull Wigan into a slightly false sense of security that we tried to front up and they think they're going to do it again and we'll have a different game plan, hopefully. So we'll see how it goes on Friday. But overall, I thought we were um, thought we in good nick. Look great. Yeah, yeah. Can I just mention... Yeah, no problem. The sixth tackle, every single time we kicked on the sixth tackle, whoever kicked it... Got Took the man smashed. out, didn't it? Yeah. Absolutely mm. smashed. 
I thought the ref was poor on that. And I'm hoping Kendall, if that's going to happen this week, I'm hoping Kendall's alive to that because it need, it's 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 crept back in. And we had, the only player we had who was ever good at that was Hooper. And he was ace at that and we loved him for it. But if they're going to do that, then we should do the same. We should send Bentley on six tackle and wipe them out because you can't, you know, it, it, I just thought it was poor that. And it happened. I just... I just hope uh, Kendall's up to it. I know jokingly, and in a few of our WhatsApp groups, when Wigan have been on, I've been, I've been pu- pushing Kendall for man of the match for Wigan on a number of occasions. But I think he's got to, he's got to look at the games he's, he's refereed, and, and and I don't know if we're discussing it later, but he, hopefully he'll learn and um, he'll make it a more even game. Uh, can I, can I add? Uh, I want to just some of the Gaz was saying about on the sixth tackle with the kicker. Believe it or not, I didn't see much wrong with that. It was, it was right. The the high tackles I had a bit of an issue with, but that's what you're gonna get when you're playing a a proper rough house team. That's what they're gonna do to rough you up. And that was when I spoke earlier and said how, how proud I was about our boys, because they took that and they took it and they kept coming back the guts and the bottle that they showed, but. I don't think it was illegal. I think it was playing it to the phone, and I thought Liam Moore had a fantastic match. I thought Liam Moore kept control, especially, well, he's a young lad. He's, he, he is very young as a referee, but nonetheless, for any referee, I thought he dealt with that game perfectly. And I've not got a problem with those challenges on the kickers because whilst they might have been at the last fraction of a second, if it was us putting them challenges in, I would have loved that. I'd have thought, mm. no, you're not going to give a penalty away. It's bang on the button. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think the challenge on the last tackle is something we don't do enough of. Um, uh, but but I, I would say the definition is that happens when you're committed to the tackle. I don't believe they was committed to the tackle mm. at all. I think they was committed to smashing the man. Um, and, from, and I think that was Steve McNamara. I mean, I totally agree with Graham. If I was whatever it's called, Bernard, Ghosh or whatever, I would just oust McNamara. He, he's been overrated for years and years and years. There's much better coaches around than him. And, uh... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How much, how much resources does he have to have to prove something with that club? I mean, he, he's what's wrong at that club. Shocking. But, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I do like that, but for me... There's a difference between committed to the challenge and just deliberately smashing somebody. And I, and I felt at least half of them were deliberately smashed the guy. And 
the refs probably moved on with the game and not seeing it. Maybe it's the linesman's job. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt there was a bit of that for sure. Right. Parker, as a uh, as a neutral, as our neutral, uh, what did you think of the game? Oh, it was a good performance from St. Helens. Yeah, Catalans again came with a, a game plan to, to rough things up. And I've always said that whenever you do that, you've got to play a bit of rugby off the back of it. Mm. Um, for me, we were looking at um, an ex-state of origin halfback who's, who should retire. You know, I, I would actually liken that James Maloney performance to, remember Gidley at Warrington, he's like his second season, yeah. his first season, he was very, very good. But his second season, his legs had gone. He couldn't dominate like he was doing. His kicking game wasn't quite there. And I get the feeling we're seeing that with James Maloney. I think he's going to have to look himself in the mirror during this close season and wonder whether he can actually perform at that top level again because I'm not convinced on that particular performance. Don't get me wrong. I know that St. Helens Pack got on the front foot and they played rugby against uh, the firepower that Catalans were chucking at them. Um, I don't always buy this of you know players being... you know ultra squeaky clean though because I think for for every for every clumsy hit and let's say clumsy aggressive hit that Catalan put in there was probably about four St. Helens tackles which were a bit more technical but probably did more damage to the actual players so I don't buy all that stuff you know because I, I look at um, I look at the, the likes of Bentley for example and just think you're a nasty animal you but I'm glad that you're playing for my team I would really like him to be playing for my team and he is that sort of guy where you'd hate him if he was in the opposition team. Yeah. You'd absolutely hate him and you'd railroad him and you'd be saying, oh, he's, he's such a dirty so-and-so him. But he does it on the sly. Um, and it's the same with Knowles. Knowles is a little bit of a uh, one of those legal shot merchants, I would call it, where he gets his own back in the tackle. Um, I quite like forwards as well who end up, despite taking the hits, they get up with a big smile on their face. And there was a couple of times when I think they tried to do that on Kyle Amor and he just got up and laughed at them. Um, you know, so fair play to him as well. Um, was impressed with that second half performance from St. Helens. They got on the front foot really early doors. Uh, Kevin Niguama, very, very good in that centre position. Um, I thought, conversely, everything that you were saying about um, about Israel Folau, he didn't get the ball enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can put some of that down to the defence that, you know, was being put on him and, and fair play to the game plan which, uh, you know, St. Helens did. For me, I think that we should pay credit here to Christian Wolfe because that was a different sort of game. That mm. was a very different sort of kind of performance. Um, you know, we've seen the razzle-dazzle stuff from St. Helens, but they have to absorb some some rubbish, really, you know, before they could do the razzle-dazzle. Um, and I just think he deserves more plaudits than possibly we're actually giving him all that's been mentioned at the moment. Because I suppose it's expected, isn't it? He's gone to the best club in the competition. He's followed he's followed a rugby genius, depending on who you speak to. Um, and, and he's got to make that job his own. I thought that was a Christian Wolf performance. So I thought, you know, they, they stuck to the guns. They played some good stuff in the forwards. Uh, and then when they whipped it out wide, sensational. Uh, I mean, Lachlan Coote, he is the most creative fullback in Super League. I don't think there's a there's a better fullback as a creator. Yeah, you, you could chuck the Bevan French being a very special talent in his own right, and I do agree with that. But he's a runner with Lachlan Coote. He's more like having a third half back on. And judging from you know the conversations that I've been hearing over the course of the season, at times St. Helens have needed that third half back to step up. Um, and I, I would suggest that they still are in need of a decent number seven. I think a decent number seven, they'd win this competition by a, a country mile. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And speaking of uh, of Lachlan Coote, obviously we do our our usual poll uh, after the game and uh, our Lachlan Coote 
did come out miles on top because he just controlled that game. Uh, and apologies, obviously, to all those people who, who were uh, uh, joining us on Twitter for that poll uh, because I did actually put uh, John Bentley instead of James Bentley, as I was pointed <laughs> out on a, a, a few occasions. So that was my fault. Uh, and uh, I loaded my end up. His time, though. John Bentley was decent in his time. <laughs> he was. Though, he was. There's no if nots about that. So there you go. Is it so, last, last player to score a three point try, was it? I can't remember. Now. He might, he some, might have been. Some, there's a stat about him, isn't there, somewhere? Well, he went to Union and extended his career by five years. And he played British Lions for them. Um, he was playing up bench for Leeds and Leeds. He went to Union and got five extra years at international standard. There you go. So I'll hold my hands up for that one. So a great win for Saints. And telling 48 Catalan Dragons too. As I said, Lachlan, man of the match there. Uh, speaking of uh, of of. Dream teams and man, men of steel have been announced. Obviously, uh, dream team over the last couple of days and man of steel uh, tonight. And uh, your man of steel is anybody know who it is? Paul McShane. Paul McShane. Did you see that one coming? Parky, I'll come to you first. I have to admit, no, I didn't. But he has had a good season in what has been an average Castleford mm. side. Um, you know, and we were having a chat just before we went on air, weren't we, regarding, um, you know, his performances. And uh, I think it was Gaz who was saying that he's played in a number of positions and deserves the utmost credit. I, I actually think that he is Cassie's best player. And I think he doesn't play and they would have lost all those games. I know they didn't win that many when push came to shove. Um, but I do think he lifts them from being uh, just above average. Yeah, I agree. Gaz, what do you think, Paul McShane? But I think, as I said earlier, I think he's playing in a... One thing he has done is every week, Paul McShane has turned up and played. Mm. And I was saying to the guy before the show, it reminds me a bit of um, Wilkin, because sometimes they've asked him to go and play six, and he's played six, and he's done all right. He's not set the world on fire, but he's done all right. He's, he, he's played 80 minutes at nine, mm. and he's a, he's a bit of a unit to do that, to be fair. And... Um, He's, uh, I think he's, he, you know, he's done it. What galls me about it is, can you put him next to Robin? He's nowhere near Robin. No. Absolutely nowhere near. And if you're saying, how does he get Man of Steel over Robin? I can't answer that apart from how the system works. Yeah, I think it is the system, isn't but, it, more than anything yeah, else? Yeah. He's done a good, and I'm just pleased it wasn't one of the Wigginers. So I, I, that's <laughs> that side of me. It's, it's like a Man of Steel, it doesn't matter. It's like when Adrian Bowles got it, we can all just say, oh, why not we'll do Man of Steel next year under a proper one. Um, it's like, Matt Shane doesn't offend any of us. You know, I had a great offence at Bevan French. I had a yeah. massive offence at Liam Farrell. Um, Matt Shane is like, yeah, whatever, let's try again. It just represents 2020, doesn't it, really? Um, so a pretty average player is one Man of Steel, but he's turned up and he's done his best for Casper every week. Eddie? The right man, do you think, in the, in that respect? Oh, Paul Maxine just represents 2020. <laughs> That's the analogy, the best analogy I've heard for um, I think it proves the system of uh, Big Fish Little Pond is always yeah. going to win. Uh, the better the team you are playing in, the less chance you've got of winning Man of Steel. Um, that said, I echo everything Gaz says about him. Uh, and on top of that, he's one of them players that you hate him when he's on the pitch, but every single time I listen to that lad speak or see him interviewed, I like him. He just comes across as a likeable character. And um, from what you 
speak to cast fans and hear from cast fans. He is one of the game's good guys. I've got zero problem with McShane winning it. I think the Ellery Hanley thing, I believe from what I could gather, Ellery, Ellery Hanley got the deciding vote. Now, Ellery Hanley didn't vote for a Saints player because he's a Wiganer, and he didn't vote <laughs> for a Wigan player because he's a Wiganer, and either which way, <laughs> he would have been criticised, and that's why he's gone with McShane. Um, but I've, not, I've, I've, I've fair play to him. He deserves it. 30 years old, not, not a problem, not a problem, but it's the system that he is a product of that system yeah. because other than that, there's, it's not happening. It's yeah. not happening, is it? I, I've, got, I've got to chirp in here because our good friend, uh, who hopefully, fingers crossed, may be back next week, Steve Orford, has tweeted, it's all right, Paul McShane crying, but how does he think James Roby feels? <laughs> Graham, what do you think? I probably think James Roby isn't bothered. He's concentrating on Friday. I think it's it's like an award for the kid in the class who just tries the hardest. He's not the best. He's never going to be the worst, but he always tries hard. And and it's like a, you know, um, it is what you could have won. It, 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 he's won something. I mean, he's not going to win anything with Castleford, is he? Let's put it that way. Mm. But he's he's he's. He's won it because he's a standout player at Castleford, and if somebody has to get three points every game for Castleford, he's going to get them. Yeah. Because he's, he's played in all the games virtually, and he's played in different positions, and he's been the standout player for them. So he's going to get three points every game. So there's nothing anybody can do. I think, um, I don't know about casting votes, but I think if it's a point system, the way it's run, he's he's won it fair and square on that basis. Yeah. But, yeah. He is, he is like one of the only two players who could win it at Castleford. It's true, isn't I think it? He's probably had three points every game, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, more or less, and that, yeah. and that's the way it's weighted in in that respect. It, it's tra- no, no, no problem mm. with him getting it, and you know, it's it's, it's he's, he's, he puts in the shift yeah. every week, and uh, he's not. He can't hold a candle at Hooker to, to to James Roby or Daz Clark or those sort of players, but you know, good luck to him. He tries his hardest, and he's he's a decent little footballer. Yeah, Parky with. I was just going to say, but what's the further way of doing it then? Because we've had where the players have picked it. And, you know, you end up with those years where, you know, um, probably half of St. Helens would have voted Matty Lees just because he's the, he's the decent teammate, you know, mm. or something like that. And, you know, you see those, like, silly votes. So what, what's the what's the way around it? Mm. It's, know, it's do, a tough one, isn't it? Going where, yeah. uh, it's, it depends on, on would you would you say the journalists being pulled who actually go to the games mm. as well? And, and would you, uh, you know, have them maybe doing... Um, I, I know we were discussing before, weren't we, about potential things about for us next season. Mm-hmm. But you know, would you give everybody marks out of ten, and then the guy who gets nearest ten, he gets the award at the end of the season? How, how, how would you get around it? You're always there's do, always pedals and pitfalls, isn't there? Unfortunately, do, do, do you know? Do you know what, Parker? The only one that we haven't tried yet, and the people that are probably the title of Man of Steel, the only system we haven't tried, and the people that are better placed than anybody else to decide it is the referees. Mm. The, re- the, the referees are up close and personal with those players, more so than anybody else who watches the game. And they see what would go into somebody being a man of steel because they see all the little tricks. And, and as, as, as Parky said before about with Morgan Knowles and James Bentley and that 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 almost masters of that type of craft. That's the, the referees see all that. It's not punishable. Yeah. But they know they know how tough these lads have got to be. But I agree with Parky. What system 
do you use it's a really it's a really difficult one other than using modern technology maybe get supporters to do it but then does it come down to whichever club has got the biggest fan base yeah it's it's, it's so difficult yeah and we'll submit- I, I think i think it should be um a sort of combination of all three of um players officials and um journos really because they're they're the players they're the people that see all the games and if you can figure out some sort of um uh, sort of uh, amalgamation of all three then that, that's got to be the way forward to get a right result you know, in much the same way in Strictly Come Dancing, they don't just rely on the, the public vote. The, the judges get, a, oh, well, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Let's 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 make sure that some of the the judges get a proper vote, can influence the voting on this. But somehow you've got to get the right balance. And I don't think all the players voting it was ever going to be the right answer. Yeah. But it is the players' award, isn't it? Man of Steel. It was a players' award. It was. Then, yeah. then they brought in this this system of points, which was always going to be susceptible to a player at OKR getting Man of Steel because he, he gets three points every week. So this is clear. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What's happened with, with Paul McShay? Uh, it's got to be some sort of, sort of uh, moderation, moderating in it. And I, I, I don't know how you do that, to be honest. It's, it's not going to be that easy to organize. Here we go. He's a couple of... Uh... Uh, responses on live chat. Great to see the the lads are managing to uh, to hear us. Uh, first and foremost, we have got Ian in is with us. He said uh, uh, that's the point. You just have to stand out in your team. He said it could have been someone from OKR. He said, but it's it's nice to see Wellsby getting some recognition despite not despite not winning, uh, which is true. And then uh, of course Yicker uh, comes through and he says, dear me, fellas, sounds like just because a Saints player hasn't won it, it's not worth winning. And the system is now wrong. <laughs> Give the lad credit; he deserves a cracking season. Sorry, he's had a cracking season pretty much every game. I'd see him in. He's the best player on the pitch, which 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 is totally correct, and that's how it's weighted, isn't it? So he has won, you know, you know, fair and square. He, he he's won it by that rules. Uh, I I oh, agree. Yicker is Yicker is right twice there, isn't he? Mm. Firstly, it's wrong because the Saints player hasn't won it, and secondly, he's won it on the point system. So. He's a bright lad, Yicker. <laughs> I'm going to answer my own question here because I wonder whether you could actually ask the coaches who they think the best player mm-hmm. is, um, you know, from, from both their sides, you know, and, and, and do it that way and actually chuck that into into the mix too. You know, you'll eventually get the right one, won't you? Surely, you know. I mean, If you ask the coaches and said you can't vote for one of your own. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, 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 that's what they do. If I'm, I'm not wrong here, Ed, don't they? In 
community rugby, don't they ask the opposing coach to pick a player from from your team and, and vice versa? Yeah, it comes yeah down to they do it. They do exactly, and I think mm. when the players used to choose it, you weren't allowed to vote for somebody on your own team. Yeah, uh, you, you the Saints player couldn't vote for a Saints player. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a great. But once again, how many times have we said that the uh, community game has rightfully ditched its amateur title because it does a lot of things the correct way that yeah. professional game doesn't. Yeah, totally great. So moving on from the Man of Steel, uh, the day before we obviously the uh, uh, Betfred Super League Dream Team Twenty Twenty was announced, and it was as follows. Uh, a fullback uh, from Wigan, Bevan French, and then from, on the wing from Salford Red Devils, Christian Christian Inu. Uh, then on the other wing was Leeds Rhinos, Ash Handley. Centres uh, were Warrington Wolves, Toby King, and uh, uh, the other centre was Conrad Hovell from Leeds Rhinos. Uh, prop uh, from St. Helens, Alex Wormsley. Other prop from Warrington Wolves was Mike Cooper. Uh, uh, halfback was Aidan Caesar uh, from Uddersfield Giants. Uh, the other halfback was uh, from St. Helens was Johnny Lomax. Hooker uh, was, yes, it was Paul McShane from Castleford Tigers. Second row was Liam Farrell from Wigan Warriors. Uh, the other second row were from Wakefield Trinity, Kalepa Tanganoa and Binding that scrum from St. Helens was Morgan Knowles at, uh, at loose forward. Uh, thoughts on that, gents? Uh, Gaz, we'll come to you first. Oh, good. Thank you very much. Right. Starting at number one, Coot every day of the week. Absolute disgrace that Coot hasn't been picked at number one. Bevan French is a fast runner. Poor in defence. He knocked on at least two or three times on Friday. Not an, not an organiser. Just a fast runner. Poor man's Ben Barber. Um, Coot every day of the week. I'm absolutely appalled at that. Um, King, laughable. King is absolutely bang average. Um, and probably the worst player in the Warrington team. But he's actually from Warrington, which makes him unique. Um, I'd go for... <laughs> well, there's a few others I know. I'd go for Gildart, which I picked earlier. I wouldn't have picked Lomax, and you can shoot me for that. Um, there's not much choice though when you look at the other. When I had the people, to I've, I've, I've done my team. Mm. I went for I went for Jacob Miller from the b- brief bits that we've seen of him. But when we've seen him, he's been magical in a, yeah. in a horrible team. I went with the same props. I did pick Mike Cooper from Warrington. Mm. Um, I picked Roby over Max Jane, and if I hadn't have picked Roby, I would have picked Clark. There's no way Max Jane makes that dream team. Um, I did pick Farrell, you'd be shocked to hear. Um, but I, and I think Tanganoa, in fairness, is a good call. Uh, like I him, Curry. yeah. I, I picked Curry from Warrington because I've always liked Curry and I think he's great. And he's, done, and he's been great again this year. And it was hard not to pick Bentley, but I decided not to be sentimental. But he's in, he's in the argument. But I picked Curry. So the ones... I didn't pick Inu. Um, but I can understand why he was in Epic Makinson, and that might be a bit of bias. But, uh, um, but the ones they had a dispute with was I definitely had a dispute over French over Coot. I had a dispute with Tony King. I thought that was just wrong. And um, I, I, I wouldn't, I, I had a dispute over Max Shane. 
they're, they're sort of the three key ones. Um, but I, had, I actually had seven of that team in my team, to be fair. Yeah, uh, we'll come to uh, to Parker. Uh, Parker, what do you think? Um, the only the only issue that I'd have is actually picking Conrad Hurrell out of that team. Yeah, that's the one I was going to say. He's only played ten games this season, so when you think about it, I know you know Leeds have probably played what about twenty games overall with the the run to the Challenge Cup. So, um, so yeah, but I'm I'm trying to think because we've got a real dearth of talent out wide in Super League, haven't we? This is why everybody always goes overseas for the centres and wingers um, because we don't seem to be having that many of them. I'm talking about the rest of Super League. You know, yeah. Saints as a whole, they're all right, aren't they? You know, they've got. Uh, the likes of making some out there and what have you, but um, I'm thinking the rest of Super League. So I'm actually struggling of who else I would pick there. Uh, Toby King, they kind of explains you to his offload and ability and such and such. Like he's, he's got ten try assists to his name. Although strangely enough, he's only scored two tries this this season. So maybe there is something in that. So he's he, he's not really been the strike centre like you would be suggesting there, Gary, of, of maybe scoring tries, but he's been creative. Or, or, or Josh Sim, who got three in one game. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. He's, he's had a shout for Josh Sim. Maybe that's maybe that's the guy what we're missing out of the lineup. I don't know. Um, How can you be in the Super League? <laughs> you see, I, 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 and again, this is this is just me because I, I, I honestly, um, I, I, and I get where you all come from with regards to, to Knowles. He's a workhorse, so he shouldn't be anywhere near a team of the year, I don't feel, because he's a workhorse. You know, I feel that like you've got to be a little bit special, haven't you? This is why we've got Beth and French at fullback. He can do something a bit special, you know. Even Cootie, he's just another halfback, isn't he, really? So, you know, I'm just sort of winding you up now, which isn't working. Not working, Dave. I think, I think Morgan, knows, Morgan knows what's to go to Australia. There'll be a QA club as well willing to take him. But there are no creative 13s out there, are there? No, no. Well, the game's moved on because most of the most teams are now playing a prop there, aren't they? Mm. You know, like over here. So, you know, you could easily chuck another prop in there. I was having this same discussion though with um, Adrian, who I do another podcast with, mm. um, and he was like amazed that of, of all the of all the players that he picked out, he picked out Cooper. He said that in all the games he's watched Cooper this season, he's not had his best year. You said he would have picked him probably 18 months ago, two yeah. years ago. Uh, but this time around, he wouldn't have picked him. So, again, I don't know kind of like what they, they look at. And, you know, let, let's be honest, we have a lot of big lads who can do really good jobs in Super League. That's one thing that we're not short of, to be fair. So you could probably name another three props there, couldn't you? I, I think Cooper's the reason Warrington lost to Hull, the mm. fact that he didn't mm. play. I think when he's played us, and you always know when they're good is when they play yours and... And they're like, oh god, and he smashed us, and then, and then not only does he smash us, he then offloads it to somebody else. Hmm. I, I've been really uh, reluctantly impressed with Cooper. <laughs> yeah, I, I was surprised Warrington didn't realise that he did his big shop on the Thursday. To tell you the truth, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Graham, your thoughts on this team? Um, I always have a look at um, when I look at the dream team of who I think would get in our team. Uh, as a Saints fan, and, and to be fair, Mike Cooper probably, Brevin French maybe. Um, I'm not quite convinced that. I bet Tanganoa possibly. Um, what about Aiden Caesar? Well, that's a, diff- that's a difficult one because he's into his thirties now, isn't he? But um, yeah, on, on form because mm. I don't think he has a great game every week. Um, maybe he would if he'd. Uh, he comes to a better club. Um, I think he'll 
we'll see a difference. Aiden Caesar with Ian Watson coaching him next year. Yeah. That will be a different ball game altogether. Um, I don't think Johnny's had his best season. Um, and I, I'm, so, I'm a little bit. Is this the is this the journos the dream team? Um, who picks the dream team? I don't is, know. Is that on? Or, I would think so. Yeah. The, yeah. Yeah, it must be because otherwise Paul McShane wouldn't be in it probably. Uh, uh, Conrad Hurrell's been. He's a bit of a turnstile in defence. He's all right going forward, but I'm, I'm surprised to see him there. Toby King for me is bang average. Um, so again. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have I'd have guilds out in that team before before um, it was centre number one centre anywhere. Um, it's, it, it's a tricky one. I can't you can't argue because I think he's top try scorer this year. Um, Inu's had a, a remarkable second half of the season uh, after lockdown. I don't think he was setting the world on fire before lockdown because um, me and Aidy saw him playing for the reserves at Ruskin Drive early yeah. in the season. Um, it's a strange. It's just a. It's a twenty twenty dream team, as as uh, as Ad said before that. Paul McShane being Man of Steel, it it's just puts to crack the tin out on twenty twenty, doesn't it? Uh, Eddie, what are your you thoughts on it? Eddie, your thoughts. Uh, the the Bevan French Lachlan Coote thing is is a really difficult one to split. Um, I think Bevan French is a wonderful player. He's I wouldn't go as far as say he's a poor man's Ben Barber, but he's the closest I've seen to Ben Barber in this country. When he's on it, he's incredible. And it's just a shame that he hasn't been playing in the halves because there'd almost be a shout that you've got to have French and Coote in that team and you'd put French in at six or seven in place of either of the choices. I think, don't think Johnny has been as effective. I was astounded to see that that was his first try of the season the other day because his two against Toronto have been admonished from the records. I've no problem with the centres purely because the two best centres in the British game haven't played all season. So like Parky says, if you've no Gildart and you've no Percy, you've got to look at what else is available. Yeah. Even the... Uh, do remind me of the lad at Wakefield, Bill Tupu. Yeah, he's been, not had a good season, has he's he? He's been missing. Mm. I don't know how many games Tuma Varvey's played, but Tuma Varvey at centre, but Tuma Varvey always plays well. The half-backs, again, if you can't have Bevan French in the half-backs, then you'd go with them too. I would have James Roby. I would have gone with also gone with Curry or Bentley in place of Tanganoa. I've no problem with the rest of it. I think it's about it's about as good as you can pick from this season. It's been so disrupted and teams have had so many players missing. Um, what I would do, though, in that side is I'd make uh, Liam Farrell a captain without a shadow of a doubt. And I think Morgan, Morgan Knowles, um, I've been at differences with Parky about Morgan Knowles for the last two or three years. But if you look up the modern-day loose forward in the British game, it's Morgan Knowles. If you look up what we all believe to be a proper loose forward in a dictionary, you get a picture of Paul Sculthorpe. But that's not what a loose forward is anymore, um, for whatever reason. So, yeah, Curry, Bentley, Roby would be in there, and I'd struggle between French and Coote. 
Uh, Just having some breaking news in, gentlemen. Uh, Apparently next... Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Season, the Dream Team's going to be selected by Freddie Fittler from the New South Wales. That means we can get every player we want in every position and it doesn't matter whether they play there or not. So that that's great news. Good chance of getting, of course, uh, Lachlan Cooth and Bevan French in the in the same side. Uh, that's for those of you who need to listen to our show tomorrow on the the NRL uh, Grand Final uh, uh, wrap-up. Uh, cracking three shows or, uh, about the state of origin. Uh, you've got to listen to that tomorrow because uh, it's going to be really good. I've uh, got to say, guys, uh, we put a, a poll out for our Saints Player of the Year. Uh, the 13 Pro-Am Saints Player of the Year. Put that out uh, yesterday. Uh, I've got quite a bit of uh, interest and, and uh, people coming back and we let them vote for whoever they wanted within the squad. So there was, you know, it wasn't a matter of us just picking four and it was our four to, uh, they had to pick from. It could be anybody. And the top three uh, were in third place uh, was James Bentley. In second place was Alex Wormsley. And uh, yes, you've guessed it, at number one and the 13 Pro-Am uh, uh, Rugby League show uh, 2020 Player of the Year, Saints Player of the Year, is Lachlan Coote. So uh, no surprises there, guys. Really, is there? I mean, he, he has. I mean, he's a great player. You know, he orchestrates everything there and uh, slots in when he needs to slot in. And when you realise that when he turned up, he hadn't kicked a goal that much when he was over in the the NRL for for a long time. And you're looking now, he's banging them over for fun. Uh, so it's. Uh, Good on the guys picking the uh, you know the, the the choices there of James Bentley. Nice to see James Bentley being picked as well. Uh, Alex Wormsley was had that storming season uh, for for him, absolutely storming. But Lachlan Coop there at, at number one. I'm sure. Yeah, Luke... no, st- Go on, mate. Yeah. Yeah, you said about Coop and his goal kicking there. Ain't that just a, a, a surefire sign of ultimate professional? When you say about the goal kicking and. He hadn't done it since juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he'd ever kicked regular as an open-age player. And last season, at times, he, even from halfway towards the touchline, he was 50-50 whether he'd get it or not. But it shows that ability and that desire to work at something that isn't your job and never has mm-hmm. been your job. And then the skill set to be able to not far off master it, to be honest. It's that... To say that Lachlan Coote is the most improved player in a Saints shirt this year, but that aspect of his game to be able to kick goals like he's done this season in comparison to last season is it's almost remarkable, if you ask me that, because it's not... Goal kicking is a really difficult thing to do if you ever tried it. It's it's really, really hard, and he, he seems to have mastered it. Yeah, yeah, he has very much so. Uh, right, I want to just uh, change the thing slightly, guys, uh, in the middle of... Uh... Uh, the topics because uh, obviously as you know we have Dave who lives over in the States who, who listens to us regular on the podcast uh, he's been in touch, not heard much from him from the last few weeks uh, but he's been in touch so I want to do a little bit of uh, view from across the pond uh, so uh, 
it's uh, this is what he had to uh, to, to let us know, and you like this because there's a part in this which Park is gonna really love. I'm, I'll, I'll tell you now. So uh, so here we go. He says that he's been disappointed with our style this year. Uh, but we are down two uh, out of our three pops with Luke Thompson going and Matty Lee's a long way off his pace uh, after his horrific injury last season. So I'm waiting to see before uh, we go how we go next year before commenting on Wolf, as Danny will have uh, some of his players in. He said the Toronto debacle was a disaster for expansion. Yes, I would love to see a North American league, but we need to introduce them to top-class rugby and the NRL doesn't work as good uh, a Super League time-wise over here. At least, at least Super League games are on during the day instead of the night. This is the bit that Parky might like. And also uh, uh, Andy as well. He said, another problem is, and this is just maybe around here, but Americans are great sports watchers, but poor participants. Nobody plays sport once they have left school. No amateur soccer, baseball, basketball or hockey teams here. Lots of pitches that are hardly used except for the occasional school or college sport. And then he goes on to say, uh, I listened to Catalan versus Leeds on the iPlayer uh, on Friday. Uh, great commentary, again, if it was a little Leeds bias. He said, what was best of the commentary was the guest. It was Jordan Turner. Uh, what a great insight he gave. He gave a very good description of what he was feeling like at different parts of the game, often opposite to what the commentator was saying. Uh, and when he was trying to praise Leeds. After the buffoons you get on TV, it was very refreshing. Nick Pinkney on Umberside on Thursday was good too. Only seen the highlights, so can't con uh, comment on controversial incidents. Uh, and then he goes over to the kits, and again, Gaz might like this one. Uh, he says, I like the new kit, but I've uh, liked, with it being the 60th cele celebration of the Rev V, for it to be a replica of the 61 Re Wembley Rev V. I know they couldn't have had the colour like they did back in the day, uh, but I also like the away shirts. Just don't like our sponsor. I have to explain what cash converters are to the Americans. It was easier with Typhoon, as they understand the UK with their tea. <laughs> so it's great to know that Dave's listening over there in the States and, and, and he's listening regular. Uh, and I'm sure, Parker, you'll agree with me, uh, that's an interesting bit about them not uh, playing much sport after they've uh, you know, sort of left school. Sort of from well, that. Great, it's great insight, that isn't mm. it? You know, because it's something that you know hasn't been really mentioned, and it does make you wonder why are we why are we pushing it over there. Then in that case, but you know, I, I'm ever the optimist, as you as you know. Uh, although I do chuck a bit of realism in the, there at times, and think that you know when we're wasting our time, I'd like to say that we're wasting our time. Uh, we'll be trying to get it into the colleges, you know, so that it is going to be those kids that are going to be playing our game. Oh, those are just a, a couple of my thoughts there, but great to hear, great to hear those other comments. Though I mean, I, I love the fact that you know the NRL doesn't work too well for him on his time time zone there. Um, yeah, yeah and, and and speaking as someone who's been over on the other side of the world, you do sort of work, you do a bit of work on a computer or something. Who's going to pick this up at like midnight? Yeah. And when's it going to go? You do have to be very thoughtful of that type of thing as well. Yeah, I mean, it is good in that respect. Ada, uh, what do you think that about them not playing, actually playing the sport? They, I would imagine that if you, I mean, Parky will know this much better than I. Rugby league in this country, I would imagine that the participation numbers of players that have been playing since a school age and just didn't stop is 
is massive. I would imagine high 90%. So I don't think there's many people start playing rugby league at any sort of level once they're an adult. Um, so when you say about it going, start aiming it at the schools, but to do that, we've got to aim it at the parents of the kids that are in the schools. And to aim it at the parents, that's, I don't think you're not going to get kids playing rugby league without the parents knowing what it is mm. and without the parents enjoying it. Mm. Uh, the participation numbers at, uh, at any level, I think, is uh, is is a the, the, the most of the players come through from playing at school to open age. Yeah, yeah, it's it's great as well for the feedback though from Dave across the pond because obviously. Uh, like Parky was saying, you know, we all sit here and we, to a certain extent, we, we, you know, we we get loaded with loads of rugby league, whether it be from Australia, whether it be from, you know, other parts of the world, France, etc. Uh, but we all manage it to, uh, because we understand the the sport already. You know, we can pick up on any little game that's going on because I know you've been picking some up on. Uh, uh, on the uh, YouTube and, and Facebook or whatever from uh, over in France, haven't you, Parker? I have. I've been keeping up to date with that French competition, just looking to see if there's any any guys that could do a job over here for anybody. In my opinion, of course. <laughs> <laughs> right. Looking for league, looking for league players. Need a few more though, Dave. Oh, just in it. case, yeah. Just in case. Or maybe some even League One players. You know, it's fine. You know, we'll we'll, we'll put an, put another team in. It's fine. No problem. Right, uh, next on our list, Super League or bust. Uh, the the initial criteria set down by Super League and the RFL effectively means there are about eight clubs that were eligible to play for a place uh, 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 or apply for a place in the top flight next season. Uh, the sides in question were Bradford Bulls, Featherstone, uh, Rovers, Halifax, Lee Centurions, London Broncos, Toulouse Olympique, York City Knights, and, and Witness. Uh, Parker, you can give us fill us in with uh, some of these bits and bobs with regards who is and who isn't a runner and rider, I believe. Yeah, certainly uh, Widnes have pulled out um, because they're pretty new. You know, obviously they had uh, an awful lot of financial issues, shall we say, at the start of last season. So they've actively gone on record and saying that they're not ready. They're not ready to push. So that's that's one out of the road there. Uh, Halifax as well were initially being linked with being able to apply for a Super League spot, but they, have, they haven't met the initial criteria. And that was uh, having uh, above a 2,000 average over the last two seasons, which is stark contrast, really, because I always remember Halifax being a really well-supported side mm. back in sort of like the early to mid-90s. They got some really decent crowds. Um, you know, up there at Thrumall and then Shea. Uh, but obviously they've fallen down the pecking order somewhat. So for me, that one leaves six standing. York, Featherstone, Bradford, Lee, London and Toulouse. Um, now, depending on where your thoughts are regarding that, um, certainly I did a little bit of a little bit of a um, few notes here. So I've got like, who gets the stadium? Well, York will have the capacity at their new stadium. Featherstone have the capacity with the work that they've done. Uh, Bradford, we don't know regarding them at the moment. They're playing out of Dewsbury. Uh, are they going to go back to Obsol or are they going to come up with some other arrangement? Who knows? That's a big up in the air for their hopes and uh, dreams on this score. Uh, Lee has the stadium. London has the stadium, albeit at a, a, a smaller level. 
Uh, and Toulouse has gone in with the Rugby Union Club, which is now in a massive stadium, which uh, I think has got a capacity of about 20,000. Uh, for the finances, we don't know York's finances, but I would assume under the leadership of John Flatman that they've been pretty steady over the last few years. Featherstone have done quite a lot of recruitment over the last few years and have recently started introducing new people to the board. So maybe they're getting in a position where they're cashed up. Bradford, well, they've got... Uh, got Nigel Wood on the board so who yeah. knows he's cashed up from his various jobs that he's had in rugby league down the years but whether whether um, they've got the finances and the backing there I'm not 100% sure of um, Lee of Derek Beaumont and uh, as long as he is uh, in that board at, at Lee and as long as he's running the club I would say that they have got the financial backing London have the financial backing with David Hughes, uh, who's been a tremendous supporter of rugby league for the last 20 years since he uh, inherited that club from Richard Branson. And uh, I, again, I'm sort of assuming due to the um, the, 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 the sort of like um, ongoing partnership, the blossoming partnership between Toulouse and Toulouse Rugby Union Club, that they have also got a bit of cash behind there. Uh, I was looking who's got reserves. York doesn't, Featherstone doesn't, Bradford does. Lee doesn't, London does, and Toulouse have their operating at the French elite level at the moment. Regarding academies, York doesn't have one, Featherstone doesn't have one, Bradford has one, Lee doesn't, London does, and I don't know about Toulouse. That's something I couldn't find out about whether they've got any young players that are coming through. Mm. I'm kind of making half assumptions with them because they do tend to introduce some young players through to their squad over the last sort of four years that they've been in the uh, in the professional ranks here in England. Um, sponsors, everybody's pretty cashed up on sponsors at the moment, from what I can tell, because part of the part of the actual Super League, um, part part of the Super League prospect that you've got to put forward for your club is you've got to tell them what sponsorship you've got coming in. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know quite where that comes from. You know, are they wanting you to link up so they can go and tap them up? Then they don't sign any daft deals with yeah. pizza companies for no money whatsoever anymore, whether there's something in that. Um, and then I was kind of like looking at average crowds. So you look at Bradford, Bradford do still get comfortably the largest average um, that's in the championship, only rivaled by perhaps Widnes at this moment in time. Um, that last season, they got an average of four, nearly 4,500. The year before, when they were in League One, they averaged nearly 3,700. So these are all credible you know, credible figures, to be honest. Uh, Lee have been averaging between, what, 3,300 and 3,200 for the last couple of seasons. Um, London uh, got just over 2,000 in Super League. The last time they were in the Championship, they averaged just 896. So they've got some work to do there mm. for getting people through the gates. And I feel really sorry because they're obviously doing a lot of things right at London, but they just can't seem to attract anybody to go watching them in any sufficient numbers there. Toulouse are a little bit up and down. So they started off when they first came into League One, 1,500 people watching them every week. They got it up to 2,500 in 2018. Their average gate actually went down in 2019 by 300. So, uh, again, are we sort of looking at how well they're doing? Maybe the French are just as fickle as us over here mm. in that we don't like uh, going watching losing sides, to be honest. Uh, York have, in the last four years, quadrupled their crowds. Um, so they've gone up from 582 when John Flatman took over and they were just hours away from going out of business to a very respectable 2065 this past full season. Uh, and Featherstone, they, their crowds vary any, anywhere between 1,800 
and 2,700. So, you know, on the basis of all of those, maybe you're looking at kind of like a York with the way that they've gone about it. I still think that there's some way off. I've got to be honest there. Um, Bradford have all the youth. Um, they've got all the history previously in Super League, but history doesn't pay the bills. So you do sort of wonder whether no, they just can ever... Bradford don't pay the bills. <laughs> um, so, you know, I wouldn't be a fan of Bradford getting in there. Um, I, I'd be looking at, at, at Lee from a purely biased point of view. And, you know, people can shut Britbats at me here, you know, now, um, because I, I believe that Derek has learned from uh, the previous efforts um, when, you know, last time they were in Super League, they weren't the worst club that was mm. in there. They averaged 6,300 through the gate, which was better than five of the clubs that were in Super League at the time that year. And, um, you know, uh, the expansionist in me says go for London, uh, go for go for Toulouse, sorry. Mm. Uh, but they're offering a big, great unknown. We don't know how they are going to, whether the fan base will go up, whether it'll travel, you know, yeah. to, to where they're playing now. Um, I certainly think that they were hoping so this season, but I couldn't find any figures for this season. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my runners and riders. Yeah, Graham. It'll be what you will, gents. Yeah. Graham, your, your thoughts on this? Because I know that you were through this in the mix for us to have a, a chat about. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's very interesting. Uh, I think um, certainly comments initially from uh, Robert Allison seem to indicate that he wants um, someone who brings a lot to the party or what you can do for the for the competition, etc. Um, it's it's a tricky one. I, I don't think we need another another little Yorkshire club, and I don't say that disparagingly. I say that in Super League we've got six sides from east of the Pennines, four over here and Catalan at the moment. I think it, for me, it's got to be between Toulouse and London if it's uh, just been the one in which it clearly is. Um, Lee, I think, have got the pedigree in that they've been in Super League not so long ago. They've got a chairman that backs them. They've got decent crowds. I think they must have a shout. Um, I have no idea what's going on at Bradford. I've heard little rumours that they're going to be shoehorned in. I'm not sure that's right, but there's certainly sort of uh, little snippets in the press and the social media. Uh, Toulouse, I think, would from my position, be probably the favourites. If I was looking at it from a, an expansion point of view, there's already a um, following of the game in there. They've got their own leagues down there. Um, I think that could give them a French derby, a couple of French derbies, give them a better chance of getting a, a TV deal down there, which will um, ease, the, ease the financial pressure on them and on the league generally. Um, London, I've always got a, a soft spot for London. I think they should have a chance. Um, whether the crowds they get are going to be uh, a black mark against them is, is a possible. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough call. But yeah. I, I would side like Dave with, with Toulouse to bring um, a bit of a balance there. Yeah, Gaz, your thoughts on that? You want to go to Toulouse? You want a trip to Toulouse, don't you? It's nice. It's really nice. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Go on, Gaz. It's not one for currently. Uh, <laughs> she wants a dose. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, um, I, I haven't sat listening to this and I, and I saw the comment on, um, earlier on on WhatsApp. And when, it, when I saw the comment earlier on about WhatsApp on Bradford, I sort of just smirked and laughed and dismissed it. But the more I say to you, and I've listened to Dave, listened to Graham, I've been thinking about Bradford. Uh, you know, even now, with all the suffering that they've done, the biggest crowd. You talk about a sleeping giant here. Mm. 
you know, if, if Kukash, Kukash shouldn't have bought Salford, he should have bought Bradford. He'd still be a giant in Super League mm. if Kukash would have bought Bradford. Um, because they would be having sixteen to 20,000 gates every week. And, so a, and when you talked about the structures, they were the only one that you mentioned that seemed to have everything. Mm. Uh, even now, so they've got a hotbed of youth. You know, we, we keep talking about them. James Bentley's one. They've got this hotbed of youth coming through. It's so, it, I'm beginning to think it's... It's a shame if they could get that they're not in Super League. They're a club that belongs. It's like Leeds in Premiership. Bradford's a club that belongs in Super League, but it belongs in Super League with good management, which it's not had now for about a decade. But if they had the proper management and the proper um, backing behind them, they've got everything else. The hardest bit's the fan base. You know, they were talking about the Featherstone two thousand a week. Salford, a shocking fan base. Witness really low, and in fairness to Lee, and only six thousand. But you know, when we came, four thousand were Saints fans. Uh, um, but um, it's I, I, I'm, I'm, the more I'm talking about this, I'm sneaking towards Bradford. But what I worry about Bradford is, have they actually got the financial backing mm. to support that bid? Uh, if they have, then really, if you think about a ten-year view, like we talked about last time, you know, Bradford's a no-brainer. Bradford is a proper Super League club. Um, that aside, that aside, and let's say they haven't got the backing, I'd love to. I'd, I'm not just Dave's on. I would love it to be Lee. One, it's ten minutes up the road, and I think the proper rugby league town. Um, I'm not sure 2021 is going to suit France. You know, COVID's still going to be buzzing around. Um, London. Me and Ed went down to London, and as much as they try, they can't get the fan base. So. Having laughed at it early on and thought, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I've, I've now managed to talk myself round into thinking, actually, if they had the financial support uh, and the right management, Bradford's probably a good yeah. call. And I think it, what it is with Bradford as well is, is I was just going to say once bitten, twice shy, but we've been bitten quite a few times with, from the Bradford point of view. So you've got to be very sceptical. Uh, Eric, what's your views on this, mate? Well, I was listening to Parky's run down which I thought was great work there Parky good on you lad um, and then listening to Graham I was jotting different things down and similar to Gaz I kept coming back to Bradford when he mentions about Kukash at the time well me and Gaz discussed this at the time Marwan Kukash was all about his ego mm. Marwan Kukash wanted 20,000 people singing his name if he'd have gone to Bradford to this day, to this day, he would have had 20,000 people singing his name. The fact that they're not even playing in that city and they're still getting those sort of crowds, they can still manage a academy setup. What What's so conflicting is you look at York with the facilities and the finances in place, but no academy setup. You look at Bradford with bugger all facilities, but they've got the academy set up. You, with, I was surprised when Parky said about Lee's attendance figures because I, I'm not going to dispute it because Parky's always on the money, but I always had Lee in the same bracket as Widnes and Salford. Very small support, but massively faithful support. Um, and Lee, I, I don't know if it is just 
unfortunate for them that they are like a suburb of Wigan and it just they're never gonna get that level of support unfortunately because I would love it to be Lee but I don't think I think one of the worst things that you see on TV is when you see a game from Lee and they only open two stands of that wonderful stadium that owner and that club and the supporters that follow it regularly deserve more from the town of Lee. They deserve more people in that ground supporting it. Um, London, I think we've got, I would love us to stick with London because it's over 20 years now. And they do have a nightmare trying to attract fans, but they've got to have some sort of stability there. When I remember us going down to the stoop, and when there were Harlequins playing at the Stoop, yeah. it was getting good. It was getting decent crowds because they had a bit of stability. Mm. Uh, plus, it was dead easy to get to just off the A3. Um, but the more that Graham and Parky spoke, I, I'm the same camp as Gaz regarding Bradford. It needs running properly. It needs running correctly. And there is an enormous, an enormous fan base there. And what that enormous fan base does is gives you a base to challenge Leeds. And let's be honest, the only time Leeds have ever been challenged in Yorkshire in the last 25 years, since the whole sides of the 80s, is by Bradford. Because Bradford could get 20,000 people onto that stadium. And as amazing as it sounds, they've not even got a stadium. Well, the, the, the irony there, mate, is, uh, was it last season, uh, Bradford beat Leeds in the Challenge Cup, didn't they? Yeah. I yeah. mean, so it's still there, you know, you know that, that, that yeah. will to, to that, you know, bring Leeds down. It is. I mean, I mean from, 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 the witness, from the witness point of view, I think, I think witness is more of a basket case than Bradford. I think witness is just, it's too unreliable. At least with Bradford, if it's successful, you get in twenty thousand. You can give Witness all the success in the world, and you're only going to get seven and a half thousand. So, if you're going to take the gamble, gamble on Bradford. My, my, my heartstrings every single time say York, um, but I think that if they've not got the academy set up in place, if Bradford can set the academy up, York should be able to. But uh, I, I'm, I'm coming down on Gazi's side, and I also think that France, for the foreseeable, is out of the question. Completely, utterly, totally out of the question, unfortunately. Graham, bring you in. I just I just wanted to ask the lads if anybody knew, if, if the Brad, Bradford plans to go back to Odsall, I think, isn't that owned by, doesn't the RFL own Odsall? The RFL owns the lease, I think. I think the RFL owns the lease. lease and, right. There's, there's apparently something doing now. I have uh, I have got this off Mick Gledhill, so <laughs> treat this information oh. as you will, gentlemen. Uh, but he's reckoning that um, uh, stock cars could soon be returning to Bradford. So if that's the case and they've signed a deal with the RFL, will this follow that the Bulls end up getting back to Odsall? I mean, um, one thing that I do just want to come in here is that they actually achieved that highest gate. They've only been out of Odsall for, what, 12 months now? Um, you know, so they were still the last season. They were there last season, you know, so they've only been they've only been playing out of Dewsbury for what was this year. 
Um, you know, so as a as a result, um, we don't know quite how what sort of crowds they would have been getting there. I mean, four thousand at Dewsbury would have packed the place out, to be honest. You know, because I think it's got a, a stadium capacity of about five since they've ended up doing both ends and putting terracing round, uh, which took a long time to get get round to. Um, just a, a quick one on on seeing well if if Bradford can actually manage to to run the, an academy, why can't York? Why can't Lee? Bradford still had all this set up when they were a Super League club. Mm. So that is something that they've uh, th- they've had to find the money to keep on going. Um, unfortunately for the likes of Lee and York, they haven't had that. Featherston did. Featherston ran an academy for many years and they ran an, a reserve squad as well. Um, but because of changes in how the academy structures are running in the game, which, you know, there's there's been various thoughts about this as well because they've they've reduced the number of academies that were allowed in rugby league, believe it or not. So I think you had to come from either an area where you already had one or you had to be in it like a development area before you could run an academy. So I think there was various things that went on regarding that in the last sort of five or six years, um, which you could argue, you know, was that to the detriment of the sport um, as, a, as a whole? Uh, I do take your point on board because a lot of the players that, um, you know, Lee have ended up signing down the years have been, they've come through those systems at Warrington Saints and Wigan anyway, um, you know, and then they've had, they've almost had a second chance at a professional career coming to Lee. Um, this is why the signing and attracting players like Matty Russell this time round who seems to be working his way through the leagues as it is now, you know, and what have you. But um, yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's really it's really interesting, and I do like your thought process regarding the whole Bradford situation. But for me, they've got to get back in that city. They've mm. got to get back. That's the first thing. Yeah. And if they can't achieve that, then there's no point looking at them. I, I absolutely agree with you there, Parky. And what uh, the, another thing that strikes me as the most rugby league thing ever is that the financial side of Bradford is to do with Nigel Wood who, thank you very much, helps himself to nearly half a million big ones a year out of the Rugby League. It's just, that is just the most Rugby League thing ever. I didn't realise he'd only been out of the city for 12 months, uh, Parky, um, but I, I think that it's paramount that they do get back in there. I think the football ground is too big. I think Godsall is too dilapidated, but, Parky, you will probably know, what's that other... There's another stadium in Bradford, and the, the, the name of it escapes me. There's another small stadium with about six or 7,000 capacity in Bradford. There is. I think it's the where Bradford Park Avenue play, isn't it? The uh, the other football club. And, um, yeah, I've only seen pictures of it. Never actually been myself, so I can't comment on what the facilities are like. Um, I did see I did see a part of a football game that was filmed from there recently, um, and the filming position's awful. Every time they open the window, they've got to open the window. So obviously they're, they're filming from like a box or something, and every time they go to one of the corners, you can't see because of the the glass that's you know when they've opened the window, it doesn't open far enough, so it covers the corner oh, corner post up. So that's no good from a football point of view. And you know, speaking as a bit of a geek when it comes to filming games and stuff, you're thinking anything happens in that corner, you're never going to catch it. So that's something they'd have to address but I suppose that's mainly maybe a minor thing but I, I don't know what the working capacity of that one is if I'm being honest there Eddie yeah, got... the, the, when you say about the stock cars when when Bradford Bulls first when they pinched that whole Cougar mania, mania thing from Keithley I know what you're going to say here yeah. sort of they hijacked everything that Keithley had worked so hard for four or five years they hijacked it they hijacked everything Halifax had been working with but fair enough they stuck it in Odsall but that whole 
razzmatazz of that place was they used to have the big trucks and they had the big four by fours with that big bull thing running round and round the pitch. And I mean, myself and Gaz, we went up there year in, year out towards so knowing there was half a chance of getting a good tonking. And you knew full well you stand behind the sticks and you couldn't see bug at all because the pitch was that far away. But the whole experience of it, I think, is the most, I think it's the best away day experience I've ever known in Super League when Bradford was on top of the game. An away match there in the evening with nearly 20,000 on was quite extraordinary. I've never seen anything like that in Super League. Gaz? As long as, as, long as you took your brolly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I got I think I got the wettest I've ever ever got. Wasn't it forty odd four when they beat us? Oh man. Yeah. But also, I mean another, it's got another benefit that it's it's ideal for social distancing. You could easily be six feet away from anything. Absolutely spot on. You could start again week. I have to say, my only memories of uh Odsler sitting in that car park for about forty minutes after the game. Trying to thaw out so we're safe to drive home. Isn't that, I couldn't feel my hands or anything. It was that cold up there. Isn't that, isn't, was um, in June. isn't that, that was na- in June, yeah. Isn't <laughs> that named after a boxer? Because well, Bradford, they've got they bring through the players, don't they? That's never changed. And you watch Huddersfield and it's like, oh, such a body, he's the new kid, they got him from Bradford. Mm. Uh, oh, they got such a body, they got him from Bradford. And here's us, James Bentley. Oh, they, they got him from Bradford. They obviously can't retain anybody that's any good, clearly, because of the state that they're in. But if they were in a better shape, they could. And so they've got that they've got that home base of rugby talent as well. So if they can't what the, if if only they could get the right owner um, and the right management team, everything else is there. Everything do, else. Do you know what? Do you know what, Gaz and um, Park? You'll back me up on this. I think it was last season. Two amateur sides in Bradford, uh, Dudley Hill and, oh my God, I can't remember which one they played. Uh, Park, you'll put me right. And they, they were both, the, that's, that's, and they mm. were both in the lower divisions of the amateur game, nowhere near conference level. And there was like 1,500 people turned up to watch it. And that is two amateur teams that are way down the ladder. And I would imagine if they could have got 2,000 people in there, he would have got 2,000 people in there. Uh, I think, was it Ryan Unkin Park yeah. that we had in here that was from one of them clubs? And that backs up, Gaz, what you say. But then when you start looking at Wibsey Top and there's so many rugby league clubs in Bradford that that production line is constantly there. It's it's almost in the Bradford psyche. Mm. Mm. It seems, the more you talk about it, the more you, yeah. the more you come round to it, in my view. So it wouldn't be a surprise. Uh, I'm just going to throw this last one in because I'm sure Parky will love this comment from our very own John Wilkin, who says, if you want to put Lee in again, right. I'm, I'm not joking, but from an outside perspective, it adds nothing to the game. Could say that same about John Wilkins last couple of years. He's not really left a lasting legacy there, has he? Really? But, <laughs> he's, uh, he's he's entitled to his opinion, you know. I do jest there, you know. Obviously, he's been around the game for a long, long while, um, you know. But um, yeah, I disagree with him. Well, just the leave the bottom line is, come on, let, let's be honest. Half of Toronto play for Lee now, so that is the expansion club, surely. Exactly, yeah. But half of them played for Lee in the first place. <laughs> you know, it's not a problem. They've end, they all end up being welcomed back with open arms. <laughs> yeah, well, at least at least Derek will pay him. 
Yeah, true, true. Right, uh, obviously the knock-on from this, uh, same as we mentioned last week, uh, we, we know now that that crazy system that they were thinking of putting in place of splitting the League One and the Championship into East and West uh, conferences, that's gone out the window now. Uh, and basically it's uh, obviously the Super League, that one of the teams will go up to Super League, but then they are going to do the same sort of system to bring somebody up from uh, down in League One. Uh, the teams that were sort of uh, legible for those were Barra, Doncaster, Newcastle, Rochdale and Workington. Uh, apparently Barra, Doncaster and Rochdale have all confirmed that they will be applying. Uh, Newcastle are likely to apply, while Workington have not yet indicated their position either way. Uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure that... Uh, uh, Aid it and, and uh, I'm sure Parker will agree with me. Uh, it'd be great to have Newcastle to, uh, to to move up into the Championship just to uh, to see them sort of hopefully uh, you know spread the word. Uh, what do you think, Parker? Uh, I think it's a good shout. Yeah, um, Hunslet have ruled themselves out of the running again. There's uh, there's a bit of something regarding how many fans you've been able to get through the gate as well. Yeah. You've got to have averaged 750 or more to put an application in there. So it's 2,000 for the Super League, 750 for the Championship, and you you had to have either finished or got relegated from the Championship or finished in the yeah. one top four in the previous two seasons. So uh, yeah, of those three clubs that I've put in for it so far that we know of, um, I think that I'd have Barrow in there. Mm. You know, That'd be a good shout too. Yeah. That kind of grows. That kind of grows our footprint yet again. Um, they do a lot of unheralded work in in Barrow. They've got a good amateur set up there with regards to the the teams that are around that area, um, and they've also got really good links with the college as well. So the college is involved in the top division of uh, the college leagues. So what they tend to do is they're using that almost like a pre academy. So they're picking out the best of the talent from there and signing them up. I think they signed uh, three or four members of the last squad that came through. Yeah. So, you know, they are looking to the future, which is more than some clubs, uh, obviously, up and down the rugby league world are doing. So they're looking at putting a, a bit of a, a talent progression in there. You're right to highlight Newcastle. Newcastle would probably be favourite because of the um, the links that they have with the rugby union club mm. and the fact that they're, they're minted by all, all set and when, when all said and done. Mm. Uh, however, there's... A lot of stuff and a lot of really positive stuff that's been done in the amateur game around the northeast as well. Um, you know, I've had the pleasure of speaking to quite a few people that are involved in the clubs there, yeah. and there's a real passion. You know, I mean, we are we are rugby league people; they're rugby league people as well. You know, so um, and I just feel that if it's not this time, I think we'll certainly be very competitive for getting promoted next season. Yeah, and then they can start their march to Super League for 2030 because that was what they were aiming at, mm. weren't they, to get in the Super League by 2030. So, yeah, uh, big fan of what they're doing up at Newcastle at the moment. I think the fact that they've got Jessic up there as well, you know, f- fantastic guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Aidy, he was coming in there. So, so I thought it was just, carry on with your Newcastle. I'd just like to add a bit before you finish on yeah. Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, to be, to, to, to be fair, that was just, I, I think that, you know, the way that people speak about the North East is that's the next place that's prime for proper rugby league development and for an explosion, really, mm. of getting so many players through. I think in the early days when they were establishing their academy system and getting involved with the college and the university up there, they relied on a lot of Cumbrians. Um, you know, so they'd actively yeah. go over and they did recruit a lot of Cumbrians because when all said and done, that's only like, 
40, 50 miles, isn't it, across across country for half of the Cumbrians to get there, really. Mm. And they could spend that just travelling up and down the coast of Cumbria to get to various places, depending yeah. on where they're playing. So, you know, um, so, so for me, um, they're starting to produce their own players, though, and that's what's the encouraging. There's been yeah. an awful lot of work that's been done there over the last 20 years, and it just shows that although their stop when they first got involved in Super League was ever so brief, originally, as Gates said, there was actually things that were put in place. Um, so, and of, you know, small acorns, mighty oaks grow, and it's not quite reached the mighty oak state yet, yet but it's getting there. It's getting there, yeah. Eddie? Do, do you know, do, I echo everything that Parkey said, and I spent on Gateshead. We went a couple of times to Gateshead. There was half-decent crowds. It wasn't the best facility because of the running track, but there was half-decent crowds, and but for the Hetherington hijack and taking it lock stock down to Hull, then it would it was in a better state than Hull was at the time. And the Cumbria thing, we have tried Cumbria over and over, and we have tried to accommodate the Cumbrians. I have no problem with them saying that we are three individual towns and we don't want to merge. The Cumbrians have made that perfectly clear. So, as Parky said, you can get to the northeast across the A69 in 45 minutes to Newcastle. Less time than it takes the Cumbrians to get down to St. Helens or Wigan. Now, I am convinced Newcastle should be our next major target. I said it a few weeks ago. Uh, Parky, give me something, educated me regarding the year that they've set a target for. But I think in this country, Newcastle is by far rugby league's most important city mm-hmm. to look at. It's enormous. Newcastle, Sunderland, Gateshead, they all roll into one. You can't really tell where one finishes and one starts. Don't the start an argument of... like that, Eddie. You could cause a riot if you went into <laughs> a pub in Newcastle and said that, mate. Uh, well, well, actually, do you know, Parky, if you sit on that top level of St. James Park, you can virtually see Roker Park. That's all. They're not, they're not that Roker Park. Stage of my light, sorry. <laughs> Roker <But> Park. <laughs> New, New, Newcastle, even though they are at the north of the city land now, up towards uh, Ponte Land and towards the airport near the race course. It's it's a must target place for rugby league. And if Cumbria, which is well within their right to stick with Whitehaven, Workington, Barrow, if they wish to do that, and Newcastle becomes a success, which we really need to try and make it, that option is there for the better Cumbrian players if they want to stay less than three hours from home. Yeah. Um, with the exception of Barrow, uh, with like some Morgan Knowles and that, obviously. But Whitehaven and Workington, they can jump on the A66 and they can be in Newcastle before they can be in St. Helens. Yeah, what, and what, what it's we, a vital area. Yeah, obviously, uh, Eddie, what we were saying that uh, with the team going up into Super League, uh, you've got three, uh, three or four teams that are, are vying to move up into into the Championship. Uh, Barrow, obviously, are one. Newcastle is the other. So we're just wondering, you know, so that I, I think, like you've said, and like Parky said, I, th- I think Newcastle would be the the, the the smarter option, I think. The Barrow are probably the other one in the sense of it's getting the Cumbrians, you know, sort of back into the, the sort of the mix, as it were. But uh, certainly from a Newcastle point of view. Uh, it is, I, it hmm. is, Steve, the Barrow is, but it doesn't work. And people from Northern Cumbria, locals from Northern Cumbria, don't want to play in Southern Cumbria. You know, but if you can create elite-level players and if the Newcastle thing works, 
that's another option and it's a glamorous yeah. option. Yeah. Newcastle, Newcastle is such a glamorous option for a rugby league player. It would, it's, I mean, let's be honest, Leeds is the glamour town for rugby league, unfortunately, but it is. Mm. Newcastle would rival that. It'll take a lot of work and a lot of time, but I think it is the most important city yeah. for the future. They're, move, the they're future moving in the right league. direction, aren't they? That's the, that's the main thing. So there you go. I'm interested to sort of Sorry, see where yeah. Rochdale and Doncaster also go in here. Sorry, I was just mm. saying, uh, I, I'm interested to see where Rochdale and Doncaster also go in here because mm. you look at that facility that Doncaster plays out of, magnificent yeah, stadium. Keep Moat Stadium, is it? Keep Moat. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, I think if they can get it right down there, they've got three or four amateur clubs that are starting to rise through the ranks mm. in the Yorkshire Men's League. You know, if they can start working with those clubs a little bit closer, then they can create those sort of pathways as well. I know they're yeah. doing a lot of work with the football club because it's all it all comes under one banner now yeah uh, which was the thing that really impressed Good. me the last time I went to Doncaster and the, the fact that uh, it's not like them and us it's all together you know so they're employed by club Doncaster yeah. so they're on the betterment of sport in Doncaster which for me is fantastic um Rochdale is a great enigma in all this because they've got recent um you know championship experience uh, they've got a a board in place that has has recently run championship clubs. Um, it's a bigger town than you know what they were hoping for. Mm. You know, uh, I think certainly with um, when the the board was at Swinton previously, I think that um, with, with Swinton it was quite set in its ways. Rochdale is different. It's a bigger town. It can maybe support a, a, a larger fan base, you know, going forward. But yeah. yeah, they're a bit of a sleeping giant as well because I don't think they've averaged over 2,000 fans since 2001. So mm. you are going back some till, since they could, uh, you know, really get the, the fans yeah. in. I, d- I don't know how well you know the Doncaster area, but Doncaster, I know it really, really well. It's almost a copy of Warrington. It's a massive town. It's a massive new town. The stadium's fantastic. And I, as you know, at Lee Miners last season, I watched that that Doncaster team came over to Lee Miners and the support. They brought four 55-seat coaches. And they were a team from the lower depths of the amateur division. And they came to Lee Miners and they overtook the place. They were chanting, singing, banging drums. But again, as Parky says, Doncaster is an enormous town with enormous potential and it's got a lot of money in it as well. It's a, quite an affluent town. So there you go. That's the uh, the roundup of, of the clubs vying to get in A to Super League and B into the Championship. Uh, was going to talk about Chris Kendall, uh, but time's getting on on what I want to do. Uh, I want to try and uh, uh, get the uh, Saints thing on the way. Quick one, Gazia. Well, I might just be preempting what you're about. Surely we're going to do a grand final preview. Structure. Just going to do that. Just going to kick that in now. So see it on the agenda. I'm starting to panic. <laughs> <laughs> so what I've got to ask is, well, I'll come to you, Gaz. Uh, grand final Friday, Saints versus Wigan. Was it going to be won and lost? Um, probably, probably in the in the forwards and in the team selection. I think if we turn up without Walmsley, we're done. Um, and I think he's that crucial. So that knee really, really, really matters. Um, I think we're going to have to... Um, I mean, let's face it, the other week, they beat us the other week and they beat us on merit. And I didn't even... And it, as painful as that was, I didn't question that. Um, but we played without Walmsley. 
And I think that was a massive difference. And it's all right to say, you know, we're not a one-man team, we're not a one-man team, but with two games to go, you can be a one-man team. And, and now we've got one game to go and we need that one man in that team. So I think if Wormsley, if they can get that knee right and, and um, Christian Wolf was quite positive about it, wasn't he, in the post-match mm. interview, he said there's nothing wrong with it, but there clearly was. So hopefully we can get his knee right. Um, and then we need, I want Graham to play, although I think, as we said the other week, he's done. But this is his swan song and it would be a tragedy if he didn't get to play. And we need to stand up to them. And we need to stand up to these wild, wild ones like Smithies. Um, Partington's not a version. Smithies is a proper wild one. And we need, our Bentleys and our Noles have to stand up to your Smithies of the world. And um, I think if we can, I think if we can at least hold them and, and not lose, the, if we lose the forward battle, we're struggling. We've got to at least maintain the forward battle. I think if we can, we can win. Um, I have to believe that we can win. Um, are we doing scores here? Are we coming back to that? We'll come back to that. Yeah. Coming back to that. So, I, I mean, I have to say that we're going to win, don't I? Don't yeah. I don't believe that. I'm not switching the telly on. Um, but it's going to be tough, and we and it's and I think it is all about the fault. We know what they're going to come with. We know exactly what they're going to do because they do the same every time. As I said at the start of the show, I'm praying Smith doesn't play because he brings a bit of something else that they haven't got. I want Powell back in the team. I've do really with Dave, though. I thought these things went great at nine. Um, so. We, we need to match the aggression. It's, it's like Catalan all over again. We need to match the aggression. And then we need, we do need Johnny and Theo to turn up. I think Theo will do his bit defensively and we're going to need that Friday. There's no way we're sat here even remotely thinking about Dodd because there's going to be a war. Theo and Theo's good for that. We need Theo to, to some extent, take French out as well. He'd be good at that. Um but we need to... The French to, taking the French out. That would never work, surely. Well, if you make, look for him. But if we, if, we, if, we, if we stand up to them, then we've got a chance. If we don't stand up to that forward battle, yeah. then we're done. Then we're done. So I, I have to believe that we will stand up to the forward battle and, and that, we can, that we can do it. But it's, it's not going to be easy. You know, we, like I say... The, the, the one thing for sure, you know, you know, a hundred percent what you're going to get from them. Yeah, um, and you also know you're going to get a hundred percent of them as well. Yeah, they won't, they won't come underdone. No. You're going to get the, the full ferocity, the full Monty, as they said, Graham. Yeah, I tend to agree with uh, Gary there. I think um, one encouraging thing for me is that we learned how to play around that sort of way. Uh, the, the game um, against Catalans was a good game, a good a good warm-up for us really for this game. I think um, we know exactly what we're going to get. Uh, we didn't stand up properly uh, on the last time. They, they targeted us uh, with, the, with the big forward game, playing uh, Blue Lion Hastings as second forwards really. So they had a, a pack seven really in that game. I think if we play around them, play around the edges, get our centres into the game, Get some space. Making space is always a premium against Wigan. Um, but, but the fundamental is we stand up to them. And if we stand up to them in a, in a proper way, um, I think um, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll do well. But I don't. Um, I'm concerned about the officiating of this because they are past masters at wringing every advantage out of um, pushing the pushing the uh, boat on on every single thing in the game. Every every 
every defensive set they've got, they will lie on the ball, they will slow it down, they'll put a fourth and fifth man into the tackle. Just as about to, once the referees call hell, there'll be another man going on the top to slow it down even further. If the referees are live to that and we get a quick game, um, I don't I don't see us having a problem. If we get if we get slowed down all the time in a messy game in a forward battle, I think we'll struggle. But I think um, we just need to have the courage of our own convictions and, and spread the ball about a bit yeah. and, and put them under pressure. Eddie, how do you uh, where do you see the the sort of uh, problems that we may get from Wigan? I mean, because what somebody we've not mentioned, who I think that turned into a bit of a uh, a piece of work. I mean, I liked him when he was at Leeds, but I think Singleton, since he's gone to to Wigan, there's a, there's a bit of a you know he soon picked up the uh, the streak as it as it were. What do you think, Eddie? Yeah. Um, first of all, apologies for letting my true passion in rugby league run away between me and Parky there about the lower levels. Um, I never liked Singleton. Um, never liked him at all. Um, I think he's something that reminds me of Gob Height. But there you go. Um, everything that Gaz and Graham have said, I think we, as Graham said, we created our own blueprint for this match against Catalan. We just need to be prepared to slightly adjust that blueprint because we're going to be against a far, far superior opposition. But unfortunately, an opposition that brings everything that Catalan brought, but it's also going to bring a first sprinkler of stardust as well. The Wormsley knee situation, it was odd, wasn't it? Because when it was bad, he couldn't stand up. Then it seemed when they fixed it, he could run freely, almost like a slipping kneecap or something. It was very odd. I agree with Gaz, we need him. But that blueprint we set out against Catalan is exactly what we need to use. As Parky said before, if that's down to the coach's input, then more power to him and good on him. Um and, and we've got to do that. If we stick to that blueprint, then I think it'll be a very close game, but we should be able to win it. I would like, to, if James Graham does play, what he might be lacking physically because of his age, I would like him to bring, make up for with his experience. Yeah. I would like him to bring to this match everything he's learned in Australia because that guy is, and when it comes to, as Graham said, when it comes to even if you want to say manipulating situations, just using that old man ring craft and bring it all to the fore for this one last time and let's do it. Wormsley is vital. But if we use that blue, we, we walloped Catalan by almost 50 points. Never in a million years will we do that against Wigan, but that exact same blueprint, I still think would, without doubt, be enough to beat Wigan. Yeah. I think I, I, I think the Theo bomb might actually find its place here in this final. I mean, I've hated watching the Theo bomb for a year, year and a half. But if we put that bomb up on French and we chase that bomb in and we absolutely smash him, he looked dodgy against Hull. When them bombs went in, when that he looked a bit feared for me. When that when that one there spilt in front of him, I I I, I think it's questionable defensively. I really do. I um, I, I, I agree. I think we should test that. I, I agree with you, and I think it's it's a similar sort of thing uh, which we saw in the the state of origin uh, to to keep that winger, uh, uh, keep the winger and the fullback pin, put it in a corner, so he's got to move across t- to get it, and obviously he's not got much room for it to work with because obviously there's the there's the that uh, little precipice called the touchline that he 
he just may go over. So yeah, I, I agree with you there, guys. We need to test him. We need to test him and put him right. We know what he's like going forward. Yeah. He's great. And all I prefer, you know, obviously I'm going to prefer Drew, but I do accept he's lightning and he's got marvelous balance and a great. He's got all. He's got loads of yeah. attributes. But I do think defensively he's lacking. Um, and, I, and, and, maybe, and we need to test that. Yeah. Really. But don't put what, what pains me too much with us with the bomb. We put the bomb up and we don't contest it. Yeah. We need to have somebody charging through at him that he looks up and sees. Yeah. Coming I think the Garma does that, doesn't he? I think yeah, the Garma. Mm. And let's see where he does then. Yeah. Uh, you know. Parker. Uh, for me, looking at looking at the Saints side, I think that you've got to get uh, Zeb Taylor involved as mm. much as possible and get the ball out to, to his side of the field because he can certainly unlock defences with his offload and certainly that little pet play that him and uh, him and Coot have. I mean, that's something a bit special, that when that comes off, which he has done on numerous occasions this season. Um, you guys have already mentioned that when it comes to the big games in the past, Lomax and Farge haven't really stood up, so they need to stand up both defensively and in attack. Um, going forward, for me, that middle is going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to go. They're going to have to be prepared for war, basically, aren't they? Because that's what they're going to get. Uh, it's going to be so tough in the middle of that field. And the, the, the thing that we're going to do really well is that they send a lot of big guys through that middle. So the idea is that they tire out those middle forwards and hopefully that then brings that space which people like Powell can exploit and get on the back of and get the ball to French and the like, you know. So um, I think it's going to take a really big effort from Roby, but it's not something that he's, he's not averse to. You know, he's been doing it all his career, so he can look forward to this game, I feel. Um, Bentley's going to have to be tough. He's going to have to use every every inch of those uh, 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 to the to the point kind of tackles that he's, he's getting used to and getting good at. Uh, and for me, They've got to protect Grace because Grace has shown himself underneath that high ball to at times be very, very shaky. When he catches it and when it gets it and when he bounces in his direction, if he's got a bit of open pasture, he's gone. He's 90 metres down the field. It's a try every day of the week. But there's always that little doubt. You're thinking, can he actually get it? You know, because Wigan will be sending numbers down his side, won't they? And they'll be looking to contest it. And I suppose as well, depending on what side of the field Burgess is playing on, He's he's a, a much taller wingman, so I'd be looking at putting Burgess on him, to be honest, you know, for, for this particular game. I don't know whether that's the way that it will eventuate. From a Wigan point of view, they've got to look to get the ball out to Gildart and French. I think they get them two involved in the game, and, and that game can slip away from St. Helens. And I think Hastings as well really needs to stand up. We've seen him in, in the big games sort of do it. You know, he went missing for Great Britain last year. Uh, but we know that he's got the he's he's got the class. He can he can unlock a defence, uh, and I think as well. And I, you know you're gonna you're gonna hate me for for sort of saying this, but Farrell's the best second row in this competition. Mm. So it's a case of keeping him quiet from a Saints perspective. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree from from the Farrell point of view. A uh, lo- lot of firing points uh, from from a Wigan point of view that you've got to keep an eye on. Uh, you're talking Hardacre, he's one of those guys, if you just take your eye off him for one minute, he can cause you problems. Uh, the the one thing is that he could be the weak point from a goal-kicking point of view. Uh, you know, I, w- I would take I would take a, a, a Coot, you know, any day up against Hardacre in, in that respect. But it's going to be going to be a big, big one. So uh, uh, what we're going to do now, I'm going to ask you your, 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 uh, your predictions for the game. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, we'll ask Parker first. Go on, Parker. Yeah, you're going to hate me. You're going to hate me. I'm going to be by six. 
I honestly do think that they've they've won the first share of games at this end of the uh, end of the season, and I, I think that they showed Saints up a couple of weeks ago. Um, so I think they've got the potential to do that again. Gaz, going off you, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, uh, us by ten. There's just no way that we have to believe. We have to believe, and we can do it. We can do it, and I think the 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 player that can win it for us is Coot. Yeah. I do think Lomax and Farge will let us down again because they do it every time. But but Coot um, has got the magic, and I, I think he might have to play that third half back role that Dave described. If we're going to win, Coot's going to have to be instrumental. So I'll go us by ten. Hey, do. Um, my my head says that I agree with Parky. Um, my head says that they're just better than us in these matches for the reasons that Gaz has just said. Yeah, that, that Theo Farge isn't capable, and I think maybe last season was Johnny Lomax's peak. Uh, as much as I love Johnny Lomax, last season he was majestic. This season he's been way off it. I think Wigan are too good of a side for Lachlan Coote to take this match on his own. Yeah, I think Alex Wormsley is but one man. I think the key to it, rather than just Wormsley, is three weeks ago that the Wigan forwards schooled Morgan Knowles and James Bentley. And that kills me to say it because I love those two players a lot. But they schooled them. If they have learned, and I go back to this blueprint thing against Catalan, my heart would say I can't back against Saints. My head would say that Wigan are going to win it. And on that basis, I'm going to say Saints by eight. Graham? Yeah, um, if we stand up to them in in a good way um, and get our game plan right and we we spread the ball about properly, uh, Saints by six. We we need a level playing field and, and stand up to them. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to take Saints, uh, but I'm only going to take them by four. Uh, I think it, it is. It's going to be a really close thing. It'd be, it'd be great. Ask for in two Guinness. Uh, yeah, uh, it, that would be. Uh, you know, it'd be good for the game. To, to be fair, to, for a good a good competition, uh, a close game, uh, and and hopefully you can get at the end of a, what's been a dodgy season. Parker, have you got your notes there for your roundup? I have, yeah. So let's start with the rumours, first of all. So uh, in, in the rumours column, Sam Williams, the Australian halfback, has been being linked with Wakefield for much of the last six weeks. It's now been confirmed, uh, as far as he can with the rumour, I suppose, that he's going to be stopping in Australia, so he won't be joining Wakefield. So that means that their attentions have apparently switched on to another player, a guy called Mason Lino, played six games for Newcastle Knights uh, at the back end of the NRL season. He's a Samoan international, so there's a good chance they can possibly get him. Uh, Warrington have apparently made youngster Lewis Johnson available. He joined in 2017 from Cass, and the 21-year-old has made just nine first-team appearances in that time. Deck Patton's contract is also set to expire, so I wonder where his future lies. And apparently, the big forward that they signed, Lilanu Latu, is on the market. 
So uh, apparently he's not really settled too well. He's only played the three games for, for Warrington and they're uh, offering him around to different Super League clubs. And Keenan Brand, the young centre they brought in from Widnes, he is set to have a loan move in 2021. On the signings front, Dan Sarginton has inked a new two-year contract at Salford. Player welfare and team manager Marlon Billy has also agreed a new deal there. Oliver Holmes has signed a one-year contract at Castleford and Hull KR are continuing their rebuild. For 2021, they've recruited Albert Vette from Melbourne Storm and Corbin Sims from St. George. They've also brought in Mui's Mustafa on loan from Leeds. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes. Saw him at academy level a couple of years since. Very, very promising front row forward. Uh, and as has been tipped for the last couple of weeks, Bodine Thompson has signed a new two-year deal with Leeds. Just before we went on air, Warrington announced that they had retained Ben Curry, Jason Clark, and Matt Davis, all three of them signing brand new contracts. Well, in the championship, London Broncos have re-signed Will Lovell and Sadiq Adebayi. Lovell was the captain last year, so I wonder whether he'll continue in that role, while Lee have gone and signed another ex-Toronto player in the face of Adam Sidlow. Uh, so he's come in to uh, probably step into that, that vacancy uh, of when Walker was uh, gave his word back on his contract last week. Dewsbury Rams, they've bought in uh, Reese Chapman-Smith from Halifax. White team have secured Scotland international Brett Carter for another season. Batley Bulldogs have announced the signing of experienced halfback Tom Gilmore. He's one of the players that was uh, in that whole Ottawa situation where he'd signed for the new Canadian club, which now isn't entering the, the League One next season. York have snapped up exciting back here in Dixon from London Broncos. He scored 125 tries and 190 <coughs> goals in his career, so he's rapid. Um, he's like the proverbial off a shovel. I think that would be a good <laughs> description for him. Um, Halifax have announced two signings, the half-back Liam Harris from Hull, ex-York and Doncaster player, and young back row forward Ben Tibbs from Huddersfield, while winger Ryan Ince, previously of Witness and Lee, has signed for Oldham in League One. Newcastle have finally revealed some signings. Uh, Callum Turner, he was tipped to go there from Castleford. He's been unveiled there. Club stalwart Reese Clark has inked a new deal, as has uh, academy graduate Alex Clegg. Liam McAvoy also returns after a spell out in Australia. Coventry Burrs have landed promising forward Jed Charlton from Newcastle. And Workington, well, they've really boosted their squad. They've signed six players inside the last week. Jordan Thompson and a lad I went on tour with in 2018, Matty Henson. They've come in from the amateur game. Uh, Henson will be a handful for uh, teams, I think, when he gets up to the pace of League One, while they've also announced the signing of ex-Bradford and Newcastle man Jake Lightowler. And the whole fallout from Ottawa has seen them pick up not one, not two, but three players. Deco Donnelly was with them last year. Calvin Wellington, who was with them last year. And they've signed Jake Moore, who... Previously had a stint with Workington, but uh, was at Whitehaven in the last year. Keithley have also added uh, another player to their roster, a local lad in the form of Bobby Derbyshire. Uh, he's previously been playing at Wakefield Academy, but has come through the ranks at Keithley Albion. A couple of other little news story snippets. Uh, Swinton have appointed a new club chairman, a guy called Stuart Fletcher. He's expected to bring a lot of experience to the board with his background as a senior officer in a government law department. And uh, strangely enough, we've got to that time of the uh, that time of the year again when Wakefield have submitted new plans for a, a, an improvement of their stadium. Will it ever happen? Watch this space. But there's a lovely a lovely new pencil drawing that's uh, appeared on their website today. So let's hope that it does for their their benefit anyway. But that's the roundup for this week.
And there you go. Thanks very much, Parky, for that. Thanks very much to the guys uh, for being in the studio. Thanks to Gaz. Cheers, Gaz. Cheers, Steve. Make Come sure plenty of aspirin and loads of Guinness for Friday. Mm. Hopefully, we're, hopefully we're enjoying next week. Graham, thanks very much indeed, mate, as ever. Steve. Uh, and Eddie. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Come on, you saints. Got to say thanks very much indeed to to, to the Yicker and to Ian uh, who've been uh, obviously joining us on our, our live chat board. A uh, uh, little bit better than it was last week. We managed to get there eventually. Uh, all I can say to the guys is enjoy the weekend uh, and the rugby the best we can. We will be taking the grand final to bits next Monday. Uh, so uh, until then, take care. We'll see you soon.